Hello, med students. My name is Zach Olson, and thank you for downloading this week's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. We get EKGs on everybody. If you haven't rotated through a department yet, you might expect that we're just getting EKGs on patients with chest pain or shortness of breath. But in the real world, we order hundreds of EKGs for, it seems like, everything. Abdominal pain and weakness and dizziness and vomiting. You name the chief complaint, and our triage is probably getting an EKG on it. And this is a good thing. Because lots of these seemingly random chief complaints can actually be the first signs of a heart attack. Something deadly that we can intervene on if we catch it. So that's why we're getting that EKG. But that means that we have to become EKG experts. Not cardiology, you. EKG interpretation is a core skill of emergency medicine doctors. You need to become excellent at reading EKGs. You need to become an EKG master. So today, we're gonna start with the core EKG interpretation approach. And this isn't like you learned in medical school where you cover axis and the size of the P waves and all of these other things that don't matter to your patient in the emergency department. Nope, nope, nope. In the ED, what we look for on all of the EKGs is actually quite simple. We want to know if the patient has something life-threatening. Does that patient have a dysrhythmia? Do they have ischemia? And do they have any interval issues? Because those are the three killers. So it's pretty simple. What I want you to remember today is a little rhyme. One, two, three, get an old EKG. That's the core approach. And what this represents are the three fundamental steps to an organized EKG interpretation followed by some great advice for your slow. Always have an old EKG to show your attending. Very simple. One, two, three, get an old EKG. So let's do this. Step one, our first life threat. Does the patient have a dysrhythmia? Is it sinus rhythm with a P wave before every QRS? And if not, what rhythm is it? We're not going to spend a lot of time here because we've covered this before. Re-listen to tachycardia and re-listen to bradycardia episodes if you need to review. But step one is diagnose that rate and rhythm. That's the first life threat. Remember the four tachycardia categories, narrow and regular, narrow and irregular, wide and regular, wide and irregular. Remember to identify those bradycardias. That's step one. Does this patient have a dysrhythmia? What's the rate in the rhythm, that's your first life threat. Step two, ischemia. You need to systematically look for what we call ischemic changes. You probably remember what these are, but I go very systematically. First, I look at those big old Q waves, which suggest an older MI. And then I move forward on the EKG and look at the ST segment for elevations or depressions. And then I move forward again, and I look at the T waves for peaks or inversions. That's step two. Of these three things, the ST segments are probably the most difficult to assess. I always had trouble with this as a student. So the way you measure this is you look at that QRS complex first, and the exact moment that QRS complex ends and that slope starts to change, that's called the J point. And that's where the ST segment starts. 
and then you measure that segment compared to the electrical baseline. And I always use the line between the T wave and the P wave for that. That's how you measure the ST segment. My other big tip here, one of the really cool things that you can learn that will help you grasp this is learn the anatomic distribution and lead groupings on an EKG. Because leads one and AVL go together, two, three, and AVF go together, V1 through V4 go together, and V5 and V6 go together. So if you're kind of like, that, that lead looks a little weird, you can look at the rest of the leads in the group. One in AVL, two, three in AVF, V1 through V4, V5 and V6. And let's say you see ischemic changes then in two leads, or maybe you see one of the other groups, they have the opposite changes. So you see ST elevation-ish looking things in one group, and then depressions in one of the other groups. That type of thing always helped me pick through some of the EKG artifact and nonspecific squiggle stuff. You look at the whole group. One in AVL, two, three in AVF, V1 through V4, V5 and V6. But that's step two. Look at Q waves, ST segments, and T waves. That's our second life threat. And then step three, look at your intervals. The PR, the QRS, and the QT intervals ischemia, electrolyte abnormalities, and some of the genetic death syndromes that are out there show up in the intervals. So we check them. Wolf Parkinson White with that short PR interval. Those heart blocks with the long PR interval. The genetic or drug-induced long and short QT death syndromes. Hyperkalemia, hypokalemia, hyper and hypocalcemia, magnesemia. All of these things affect the intervals. Probably the most important for our purposes are the QRS intervals, especially the left bundle branch block, because a left bundle branch block is highly concerning for ischemia or old ischemia or something, but bundle branch blocks are definitely not normal. We don't just rush bundle branch blocks to the cath lab anymore or anything like that, but again, don't just rebound in the other direction either and think that a bundle branch is like normal or something. It's very important to take note of. And that's why these intervals are the third fundamental step in our process, the third life threat that we are checking for on the EKG. The only other thing you might want to do here is do some reading on Scarbosa's criteria. You can look these up. Attendings are still asking about this. This is how you can tell if somebody's having an MI when they have a left bundle branch block. It's really the only way you can tell. It's something called Scarbosa's criteria. Look it up, and then you'll sound smart on your clerkship. That's one, two, three, and now we get that old EKG because you need a baseline EKG to compare your new EKG to. And the reason this is important, for example, my baseline EKG, my personal EKG, has a weird T wave in lead four. I've always had it. I've never had an MI, to my knowledge. Everybody has some weird EKG stuff that's unique to them. And so you get an old EKG, and you compare. One, two, three, get an old EKG. What's the rate and rhythm? Any ischemic changes, Q wave, ST segments, T waves. Check those intervals, the PR, QRS, and QT intervals. And then don't forget to grab that old EKG to show your attending so you look like you know what you're doing. All of that other stuff you learned in medical school about EKG interpretation is not very high yield, to be honest. One, two, three, three life threats, get that old EKG. That's how emergency docs do it. That wraps up this episode. 
One last announcement. Roshcast is going to be doing some EKG questions this week on their show. And if you send them the answers to the questions they cover, Roshcast at RoshReview.com, they're doing some prize giveaways specifically for us and the listeners of EM Clerkship. They have a big pile of case files and pre-test emergency medicine books that they have. Just send them an email with the answers, your name, med school, maybe a few other details, and you might win. They have a bunch of these. There's actually a pretty decent chance you might win one if you actually send them the email with the answers to the questions that they cover on their show. That's the main announcement this week. As always, if you love the show, please tell a friend about the podcast. Send me an email, Z-A-C-K at emclerkship.com if you want to talk. And until next time, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.